What's happening, Hardscapers? This is episode 154 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. In today's episode, we have another I Am a Hardscaper roundtable rally with four returning guests. We've got Matt from Hardscape Ottawa, Chad from Natural Design Landscapes, Caleb Amon of Amon Landscape, and Antonio of Zeppas, or a service for every season, coming in at the end here. Just going over some questions that came in through Instagram. So if you have any other questions that you want answered, go to our Instagram page, How to Hardscape, and just shoot me a DM. Any questions you want answered on these roundtable rallies from our returning guests, shoot them to me there or if you see a story asking for questions you can always just add it in there and we want to say thank you to our sponsors in light outdoor lighting for sponsoring today's episode go check them out at in light design on instagram that's i-n-l-i-t-e design for some inspiration on outdoor lighting and see the products that they have to offer there as well as Cycle CPA, they have a team of accountants that will help you from bookkeeping to CFO services. So, so go check them out at CycleCPA.com and mention how to hardscape to get $200 off. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. The product of running a solid budget, right? That's, the, that's it. It's like, that's, I, I feel confident with those numbers. I don't really give a shit. Right, sure. Yeah, so Canada, so you're probably, if you're at 40, if you're at 60-ish, that would put us... In, in us dollars probably 45 ish so yeah that's i mean that's awesome though man that's awesome good for you that's fantastic what's crazy though is like i'm not really getting any pushback on that stuff yeah I mean, that's that's a, a pretty like because especially as i like carry people through our uh, our design process and like they really just feel like comfortable with what they're purchasing they don't really right. question it they might change a bit in scope or this or that, but it's like, yeah, I never get any like, well, this adds up to this much per square foot, then why is this guy half that? And it's like, well, because that guy's an idiot, so that's why, but it's, uh, yeah. Right, like that's a, and that's a good demographic you're in there, right? And that's that's the niche demographic you're, everybody honest, frankly, ought to be striving to go towards. I We could get it, I could probably go to those markets, but goddamn, they're an hour and a half drive north of us and we kind of weigh those costs of windshield time and just like the main thing that kills me on that stuff is and like everybody, but it's just, is my time running back and forth, selling jobs, dealing with changes and that hour and a half drive an hour drive, you know, just to see one project dude, just eats my day alive. So we're at the moment. Okay. with staying. I mean, we're doing most of these jobs, 10 minutes from our shop, maybe 20 minutes. So like, we're immediately on on site and stuff so that, that's pretty cool but yeah even at even at 45 that would be way better so we're always yeah, working on trying to, figure out. to get to some of his job sites these days who do chad. what um, oh chad yeah my closest job right now is an hour and 20 minutes away my closest job but uh yeah that, that's killing us the fuel is nuts right these jobs are like priced two years ago and we can't get any, we can't recoup anything from the GCs or from the clients. It's uh, so, so what they're trying to say is like, we'll eat this all together right now because these are locked in these jobs, but on the next one, like we got to go big, we got to, we got to recoup over the next three years. Right. Um, and I think a lot of the big clients are, are going to have a hard time eating that, but they're just going to have to, right. Like we can't lose anymore. Not that we ever lost, but we're not making the cream that we should have made on these 
jobs the last couple of years because of the fuel, especially right now. Yeah, it's rough. That that kind of drive work is tough. We we do a bit of that for our, the commercial storm stuff we do, and yeah, all those jobs are about always like an hour and a half away. And yeah, that that's the road life like that's tough, and it, it's incredible how much man hours gets eaten up in drive time. Like it's just unreal the man hours and drive time and trying to account for that and putting your in two just even you know a day or two off on that you got three four or five guys going you know an hour and a half away like it's nuts the man hours that rack up immediately we shot up there on a rain day uh last week we figured it wasn't gonna rain too much um so it's an hour and a half drive to site the guys got there started pouring waited in the rain two hours got nothing done decided to drive an hour and a half home we lost the whole day tons of man hours tons of fuel just some days are that's contracting right some days you win some days you really lose <laughs> yeah it's rough man that, that is rough buddy are you going to keep you going to stay with doing those kind of jobs that far away or is that something you're going to shy away from moving forward no it's uh there's great money in them um and i don't mind working about an and a half two hours is our furthest like we'll stay overnight for that far out but the money is great honestly i'd rather drive an hour and deal with commercial clients than drive 15 minutes and deal with residential clients um it, it, that's just me just my personal preference like whenever i come home i'll i'll answer our fqs or whatever uh request for quotes take me 15 20 minutes maybe an hour if it's a really big one um but that to me beats the hell out of um pounding the pavement and going to see residential clients all night long and writing two hour estimates and three hour estimates and breaking everything down and phone call after phone call. It's, um, I'd much rather drive and do the work than, than sit at home and, and answer the phone for residential clients right now. Anyway, the drive gives you plenty of time to catch up on how to hardscape podcast too, so. it. Yeah. and kid contractor uh, podcast uh, too. I think yeah. I'm current with all my kid contractor there. That's uh, something that we listen to almost daily between the two, this one and kid contractor that's on every day in the truck. When you're doing one of these um, jobs where you're driving much further, do you, do you transfer like hours? Like do you go to four tens as opposed to five eights or anything like that? Do you restructure how many hours you're doing a day? What's the four ten? Like four eight hours and ten hour days. <laughs> no, we're like we're like five thirteen hour days. Like oh, okay. so <laughs> you just try and squeeze every bit. Like yeah, we leave the I shop at so. six. We're on site by seven thirty, eight o'clock. We're working till four thirty-five. That's an hour and a half drive home. Um it's satisfying as hell, like to drive home exhausted as shit. Like really satisfying um doesn't leave much time for anything else really but uh the guys understand it's springtime like this is giver you know we go pretty hard in the spring all right guys i've i've got some questions uh that came in from instagram here if you're all interested uh feel free to to chime in uh with anything basically i'm going to ask the question and allow you guys to basically put your thoughts in as you see fit and uh, basically, we'll run with kind of what we've been talking about here. But one of the questions is, how are you reducing costs or trying to reduce costs uh, 
with installs, with everything rising in price, uh, say, you know, things are rising in price that you're on a job or just gas in general, and maybe you don't have a clause in your contract that accounts for that. Or even if you do have that clause, how are you trying to reduce those costs in general on the job site with your installs? Yeah, I mean, for me, at least, it's like there's some costs you can't change and some you can. And it's really a lot of it is focusing on on efficiencies with the, the team, not to, you know, I can't change the price of gas. I can change how quick they, they dig a hole kind of thing, right? I can change how how well they lay stuff so bricks so that it goes down right the first time. So it's yeah, a lot more about things I can control rather than the things I can't. And that's what I focus on would be my answer on that. For us, I know we're being thrifty more being more thrifty with rebar and lumber and uh trying to make sure we're really uh guys are meeting on meeting on site as much as possible and not you know commuting in a company truck is and we've been trying to do that for a couple of years but now we're really trying to make sure all our productive time or all our man hours as much as possible are on you know on site and so that's that's one of the ways we're trying to just beat beat some expenses and which is what you should be doing in lean times and fat times too right and so it's not like it's a shame it's what you know high high uh, energy and material prices force you to force you to become you know more more lean but um it's something we've been working on for a while but it's really really being driven home now you know yeah we're taking fewer trucks up to site it used to be like four guys in a truck and now it's uh five or six guys in a truck because uh covid disappeared right so i can cram them all in there they're all three six feet away from each other um and just given how on the job like we're probably 14 or 15 guys um on this big commercial interlock project and everybody all day is just as fast and efficient as you can. Like when it's time to lay papers, there's five or six guys bringing papers and we're slamming them in. And um, we don't want to say quality doesn't count as much. Obviously it always counts, but um, we're, we're doing our best to, to pinch every penny as far as wages go and make it as efficient as we can on site. So what little things are you guys focusing? I think a couple of things were touched on there, but what little things have you focused on not just this year, but as you've kind of developed as being a contractor to help yourself plan and organize a job to keep it flowing as smoothly and as efficiently as possible. So not necessarily like this year, but for somebody just getting started or in their first couple of years, what, what kind of things would you recommend them to do to get that job running much more efficiently and much more smoothly uh, as a, as a starting out contractor? Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte says logistics win wars, right? And for us, a huge thing we've been trying to be a lot better about is pre-ordering materials just to be on site sooner. And again, supply shortages were really forcing that more, more so. But for us, it was just a bigger issue of just trying to have stuff, you know, where we needed it, when we needed it. And so that was a big thing for us starting really into last year and over the past couple of years. Like we're really just trying to get our crap together, frankly, and be a better contracting business. And so just trying to make sure we got clients locking down colors and choices and, and all that stuff and just ordering things ahead of time and having our contracts scheduled or, you know, drawn out so that, you know, when materials land in a yard, we receive a check and, and that kind of stuff. So it, it also kind of entices us or encourages us to get material on site as fast as we can so we can get reimbursed for it and, and uh, things like that for us. If I, if I were to look back at, 
you know, from starting out and where a lot of guys start out, um, I'd say like really just like focus on keeping yourself on the job site as much as possible, rather than going to pick up materials rather than trying to go dump. Like it, it doesn't make sense to, for you to be driving around with a truck and trailer. In fact, like you could actually run a landscaping company without a truck and trailer buy an excavator instead, realistically it, um, the, uh, you know, the first purchase all the time, everybody it's their truck and their trailer to get started. And it's really like, you know, you're just only going to be about as half efficient as you can be because it's generally going to be you and one other person at that time. So, you know, keep yourself on site, rely on subcontractors to move your aggregates and, uh, and stuff like that. And like, regardless of if it's just you and somebody else or if you're a company of a hundred, have your suppliers deliver your paver materials. Cause like, holy crap, is that ever a waste of time going to pick those things up and sitting in the brickyard, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like unbelievable to me sometimes the lineups that are in those places. And it's like, why I barely step foot in them all season sort of thing get all your stuff delivered and then when you're done have them come pick it back up too because you get the refund on the products maybe you'll have to pay a little restocking fee but you get a refund on the products and it's just picked up and done and you can just walk away so keep yourself working on the site um, and uh, rely on other people to help you move stuff around uh, whenever you're first starting out uh, over time you're going to want to you know again logistics win wars right so if you can control all of the logistics and and have all of that in-house things are going to go better but at the start that's just completely unrealistic with uh, the amount of capital that that would take so it's uh, yeah you focus on uh, yeah helping other getting other people to help you move stuff around at the, the first and i'll touch right on that too i guess um with a little story, um, a couple of years ago, whenever we started in commercial contracting, um, I was on site on a, uh, a little school job of probably a couple thousand square feet. Um, and the estimator who I'd never met before, he saw me on site. He introduced himself. I said, Hey, I'm Chad. He's like, Oh, you're Chad. It's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm building this entranceway. It's the school entranceway. He goes, but why? I said, what do you mean? Why? He goes, well, don't you have workers for that? And I said, yeah, but I'm still a worker too. Like we're a crew of six or five or whatever it is. And like, if I'm not here, things don't run as efficiently. And I just like to do it, right? Like I can make this two week job into a week and a day job or something, right? Like, oh, he didn't understand the concept of or, or the value of having the boss still on site, right? Like I'm not saying... I mean, and some guys will say the exact opposite, like work on your business, not in your business or, or all this stuff. But really, if you're starting out, you got to be there all the time, I think. And that kind of leads nicely into this next question, which I'll just throw out there. And it kind of ties into uh, Chad, when you and Evan were on the show last talking about equipment, uh, equipment or labor right now, especially when labor is so hard to come by. Uh, what would you be investing in right now, equipment or another person that you can train up in your business uh, in order to help you sell more, administrate more or build more? This is more just of an opinion piece and where you are in your business and kind of the reasoning behind what you're thinking in your business. So equipment or labor, where do you stand in your business? I got a pretty simple answer for that. Equipment will attract labor. Labor isn't going to make an excavator show up. I've, I've already got all the equipment that I need. Um, so I'd say I could use a few good men. Uh, if they were going to be like, hey, guys, right? I'll, I'll invest 70, 80 grand, 100 grand in it. Hey, guy, 
because we already have all the equipment that we need to make things move smoothly. Um, I need more top dogs on my side right now uh, than I do equipment just on my end of things. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm big in the machine cam, so we're trying to, and we're pretty close to mechanize the way we want to be, um, get a couple other additions, upgrades, things like that. Um, it's, I, I, I think the comment made to the machines attract the talent. I agree with that. I think that if you have a rundown raggedy fleet, you're not going to pull those top notch guys in like Chad's looking for. So he's, he's got kind of all the pieces in in the puzzle, you know, what are you trying to say about Chad's fleet? <laughs> no, what, no, I think no. we really let that right. <laughs> no, I meant no, the way I meant that was like Chad's got the equipment, the, yeah. got the equipment set up, so now now he can pursue the people, right? Because it's, it's tough to pursue more talent with raggedy equipment, so he's got no equipment, he's got the good equipment, he's got plenty of equipment. Now he can really say, Hey, you're not gonna have to kill yourself lugging pavers all day long with a and breaking pallets down with a mini skid steer loader. We've got the full size skid steer loader. We've got paver handling, you know, machines, all that stuff. So attracting that, that better talent. And then even with that, like we got guys that can run this. So if we're looking for foreman quality guys, like, Hey, I've got a crew that's half freaking competent as it is. Um, or, you know, full, I don't, again, not directly aiming at you, Chad. I'm just saying like, hey, yeah. you got, can't take me anywhere and be proud of me. You know, <laughs> But if you got, uh, but if, you know, if you're like, hey, we've got a crew of good people, we need someone that can lead them, and so we got, we already got good people and we got good equipment. Bringing in those those superstar foremen becomes a lot lot better uh, better prospect, I think. Hey, I got a weird question following up on that. Would you consider bringing in someone with management experience and not the specific craftsman construction experience? I that's a great question. I would lean myself. They had better be their people skills had been had if they had people skills that were better than both those other traits i'd say yeah because then they know how to navigate that shortcoming if they don't i would not no i think because you're right they've got to have half a clue what they're doing in order to lead effectively but they're if they're effective leaders and they and they don't know what they're doing but they know how to learn on the fly and know how to you know, know how to navigate the, uh, the PR nightmare that comes with that. Yeah. But that's, you're right. They've got to have that. That's what's tough. Our industry is so tough in that regard. We've got to, we've got to have people and we've got to be so freaking multi genre talented of work. It's insane how, how broadly we've got to be, you know, educated or informed on what, on all the different things in our trade, not plumbing or gas install or whatever, like so narrow gosh we're so freaking broad that it really really requires a broad skill set and, and then to be able to have the people skills to lead as well it's uh, like holy jeez you know? oh <laughs> hey and we want to lay you off in the winter time right like yeah it's yeah. not the worst yeah. of everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's tough that, that's that's where that gets t- challenging and, and the, the, the real deal is I think with the labor market, the people that figure out the labor game are going to be the ultimate winners. Cause you can't, you can buy machinery all day long, but if you can't figure out the labor game, you're sunk. And so the people that figure out this labor shortage that they're, they're going to be the ultimate winners. I think in, within three to five years, like they're really going to be the people rocking and rolling. 
Yeah, as much as my answer was the machinery before, like the, the people is my number one focus right now. That's that's all that I'm worried about. I've got the sales, I've got the marketing, I've got the machines. It's just having the people, and uh, you're absolutely right, Caleb. It's you win the people, and then you'll win everything. Because especially you, you'll build like snowball, right? You start getting that big momentum, then people from all those other companies with all those rundown fleets start looking over the fence and seeing. Hmm, that looks all right, you know, and it, uh, you see a, a big shift that way. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely, uh, you're right about that, Caleb. Well, and too, if you've got good <coughs> good culture and morale, and he's not in the room tonight, otherwise I'd, I'd drop his name, but I know uh, one of the guys that's in, in the whole HTH group there that has, that has been pulling a ton of quality talent from a, a big-time competitor in his, I'm using air quotes for the podcast, uh, yeah. But he's pulling a ton of people from them because they're still, while they're a good company, they're, they haven't mechanized and they're still asking people to push wheelbarrows and mulch uphill and stupid crap like that. And, and this guy's pulling a lot of their talent out of there because he's got the equipment, their culture is pretty decent. And uh, it's that trifecta, right? It's, it's, it's that easy and it's that hard in business, right? That's the worst. That's again, a, the worst thing of it. It's all this advice is the easiest thing to do and the hardest thing to do simultaneously. We also want to say thank you to Inlight for sponsoring today's episode. Did you know that one of the easiest ways to grow your hardscape business and increase your revenue is by incorporating low voltage outdoor lighting to your projects? Using lighting can take your projects to the next level, make you more profit and add that wow factor and make your business stand out. As a professional hardscaper, we know you need reliable and high quality products to avoid callbacks and wasted time on job sites. That's why Inlight offers some of the the highest quality lights and is the quickest system to install on the market. Their patented easy lock connector ensures that lighting will be the easiest thing you install every time. No heavy lifting, no massive machinery, just plug and play. Not only that, but InLight also provides many educational resources like online and in-person training, installation videos, unbeatable customer support, and more. Everything you need to successfully take your business to the next level with outdoor lighting and beyond. It's one of the many reasons why I stand behind InLight and many other companies that provide these educational resources to their clients, to contractors, and to help us grow our businesses. So for more information on how InLight can help grow your business, check them out on Instagram at InlightDesign. That's at I-N-L-I-T-E Design on Instagram. DM them to find out how to put more money in your pocket this season. We also want to say thank you to our sponsor, Cycle CPA. In order to make a profit this year, it is crucial to have an accurate accounting system in your business. Increased materials, fuel, and other costs will make it important to monitor your financial reports regularly. Without having this data each month, you won't know necessary changes in pricing or processes that may need to be made. At CycleCPA, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants can do anything from bookkeeping to CFO services, and they are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. That leads me nicely into the question that I was going to ask, and I think you answered it there, Caleb. Uh, do you guys 
how do you guys get across to if you're trying to recruit or you're trying to hire how do you get across that you have mechanized that you have this equipment and you should come work for us like matt i know you produced a video how well has that video helped you in that process or is this equipment is this mechanization more so about retention as opposed to recruitment for you and i know this will be different with with every business but uh thoughts on that so I, I never actually released that video. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I never put it out. Um, that said, uh, we, we've had some pretty good success bringing on some pretty great employees uh, here to start off the year. Um, flush with them for once, rather than uh, desperate, uh, which is uh, an interesting place to be at. Just focus on keeping them happy right now. But it's uh, how do I communicate um, <clears throat> the uh, that we have machines? It, it's exactly what we do. It's the headline of our hiring ads stop breaking your back we've got this what are you doing over there you know that's uh look over here grass is greener and that, that's exactly how we advertise it is uh you know why are you pushing wheelbarrows up a two by four into a dump truck instead of you know getting taught how to use machinery and uh, valuable life skills and things like that so yeah chatter caleb do you have anything to add on to that as as, as you know when you're going to recruit how do you communicate that to somebody you're trying to recruit or do your employees that you have on right now recognize that the grass isn't greener on the other side with another company because of the equipment that they have available to them? I'm trying to wait on Chad to talk, so I don't step on his toe. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, um, my guys know the grass isn't greener. They're, uh, they're more than happy, not on wood to stay where they are, uh, stay with, me stay with us um we i try and tell them all the time like we're gonna make this as easy it's a hard job let's not make it harder by not having absolutely every piece of equipment that we need to to make this as fast as possible right um but at the same time i'm not actively seeking employees um even though we could really use them um i'm leaning on retired talent that uh that i used to work with in the past i my tree planters right now average age that's between the three of them is uh 65 years old and i'll still go harder than any of these young guys um probably do a nice job of planting those trees too yeah uh, they, they're they're flawless right but uh these the the young guys can't hold a candle to to those old guys and and it's great to see them to see them work. Um, so I like, I'm not actively looking maybe I should be because these old guys aren't going to be around forever. Um, but I find that the, the applicants we do get are a lot of, uh, um, young guys right out of the heavy equipment training Institute or whatever. And they don't want to put in any, like, uh, like time on the rake or time on the hand shovel. They want to go right to that operator position and uh almost use my company as a springboard to to go work for one of the big gcs someday i feel and uh right now my time is better invested with the old guys than it is teaching someone new on a shovel when we're so busy um but i could be wrong too right there could be some some great young guys that really want to get on on the ground ground floor uh i just haven't found the right one yet I, I did run into a bit of issues advertising for machine operators, even though it is like our work is primarily done with machinery. It's, it's still not 
enough machinery for yeah. them. Yeah, they, they, they don't want to leave that Kubota seat or whatever, or, or the skits here, or they don't want to leave the back or the dozer or whatever. Um, but I tell them, like, if you put this time in now, you won't have to in a few years. You'll have these guys standing up the trees in the hole and all this stuff, and you can sit in the excavator and just wait. But yeah, it's, I like Matt's video. I we had we had been putting together a, a kind of a, a, a I've been calling it a hype video, but it's it's kind of a a commercial almost, if you will, of uh, various projects or, or styles of work that we're we're going to email or send out to, pers to prospective clients or clients that reach out to us. It's just kind of a hey, we're so and so, and we do this, and you know, 30, 60, 30, 60, 90 second video or something, it's just quick and and all that. And I got to thinking about that of like, well, we should do that as a, an, an employment hype video too, right? And we would we would be putting that out as far as like, you know, kind of to Matt's point of like, hey, this is the, the cool stuff we've got and it's going to get better even. And uh, if you're tired of pushing a wheelbarrow, you should come get behind one of these gas-powered wheelbarrows we've got, you know, get in a buggy or get in a, you know, track skid steer that doesn't destroy the yard. So then you're not tilling up the yard to repair it. So we're doing, you know, so that gives me that that really drives me actually to so I made a note here to to actually get pushing on this uh, the employee you know uh, search hype video if you will so that's cool and Matt if I could ask why why didn't you release that did you already did your campaign to get employees work so well without it before you even needed to um, to be honest um, I I reached out uh, to uh, few people just to get their opinion on it uh, and um, there was a couple of edits that were suggested by some people who I very much respect their opinion on the matter um, and uh, I just didn't get those edits done and then the season started and it's just yeah. been flying by the seat of my pants ever since. Makes a lot of sense and um, I've got another good question. I think this may wrap up our chat or we have a couple of others I could squeeze in there. But in general, uh, who, who inspires you guys in this industry? And it doesn't need to be on Instagram. It could be somebody local to you. It could be somebody that just doesn't engage so much on Instagram or it could be on Instagram. But somebody who inspires you, whether that's design-wise, whether that's just the way they operate and run a business, whether that's uh, they're just an amazing installer, the work they do, whatever. But who inspires each and every one of you guys and why? Well, I'll lead off. What the heck? Um, <laughs> I mean, most, you know, Mike, you've assembled a, a heck of a group of guys in the, in the whole HTH thing here. Um, you know, the whole how to hardscape Um group of people you put together and do these things with and all that um everybody in there is doing amazing things in their own right and everybody seems to have this amazing niche be it you know swihart's always thinking next level machinery andy's level of detail uh chad's and i love i totally agree with chad on like commercial versus residential and i i could see jump and shift to that most days sometimes you know um and hardscape ottawa doing awesome projects like uh and, you know, even you, Mike, doing all that, all that, uh, you know, you got that niche in repair work, which is just crazy, um, you know, when you build up a name for something, right? And um, there's so much, there's so much good stuff out there on the internet to, to get, almost sometimes to a point where it's like, man, I freaking suck. 
you know? And so you got to be careful with that, you know, putting yourself up against all, all your peers. Sometimes you're like, man, we gotta get our crap together one of these days, you know? But, you know, so as long as you don't let it get it, get in your head like that and you use it as inspiration um, to like, man, we need to be striving towards being more organized like Andy or getting into bigger projects like Chad or whatever. And um, I mean, that's, that's where I, I find in the hardscape community for the most part really is, is a pretty darn good group of professionals, you know, so that's not super drama laden or anything like that. So what, what an awesome thing to be part of. Chad, you got something? Um, well, obviously everyone in our little groups there, uh, like goes without saying almost, um, but it, I guess it's relative to everyone's area, but every time I drive by, uh, one of these monster, uh, civil construction companies, like down here, we have Tomlinson and we have Kavanaugh and we have, uh, Thunderbolt and all this stuff. And you see these monster just, uh, rows and rows of triaxles right and they're dumping and they're loading and they've got rubber duck loaders and they got track loaders and they got dozers and all this shit every time i drive by that like it never gets old to me i'm like a kid right when it comes to that stuff like i'm just like maybe we'll never be there but maybe we can be maybe a tenth of that size and look just as cool as them and someone smaller than me will look up to me and think uh that guy's got it going on like they did well. And uh, I mean, uh, really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, but it's also pretty cool at the same time to be looked up to by some of the smaller guys, right? So one day we want to be just a touch bigger, just a touch flashier um, and look like we got it together. It's, uh, it's funny you mentioned Thunderbolt because their shop is right across the road from my brick supplier. And every time I go, oh, it's yeah. just absolutely gorgeous building and they, just great yard and everything and every time i drive by that i go yeah that's what i'm trying to get to that's um, it, that's it. but uh and and you know definitely everybody like that you guys mentioned like the, the group it's great to have the people that bounce ideas off of and things like that and see what everyone else is doing all the cool innovation and stuff like that but i'm just so jealous all you guys steal wrists so i definitely look up to anybody that has one of those um it's all and, essential you got it but uh, you know, just kind of outside of that a little bit is, um, and, and not to hijack this podcast for another one, um, but Dwayne Drawn and Josh Gillow, who do the uh, the Outer Spaces podcast, those guys are super inspiring. Like uh, I definitely like follow those guys on social media. I listen to their podcast every week, and it's uh, they they not only talk about landscaping stuff, but also about like life stuff, and it's uh, super inspiring to listen to that. And, give you hope and ambition and etc and etc you know and uh yeah i i did have one last question here if we had time for it which was perfect with what you said with that life stuff matt uh right now we are in that busy busy season um work-life balance uh what does that look like for you guys with your families with whatever you got going on personal wise do you have like, um, I, I don't know, a set game plan as to, you know what, you, your family understands that this is busy season. It's all systems go like, how do you, and this is really open-ended, but how do you, you know, work on that work-life balance? And Caleb, I know uh, yourself and Brittany were on the podcast and talked about this a pretty good amount, but right now you two are, 
have such a massive project in running a business, but also having the shop going at, at the same time, do you guys make time for, you know, your, your personal relationship and, or do you, you know, say, you know what, we're all systems go on the shop build just for this small amount of time. And then we can really, you know, start to, uh, put a lot more time for us once we get past this moment. And I'm just rambling here to allow you guys to kind of think of as to what you would want to talk about here, but work-life balance, what does that look like for you guys? And, uh, and any pointers that you could give somebody wanting to get into the industry as a business owner or just starting and they have a family. There's a lot to, a lot to talk about there. And yeah. I think anybody is in danger of starting to ramble to try and even answer that a little bit. <laughs> It's uh, it, it's a tough one. I mean, work-life balance, that's what winners are for, I thought. But <laughs> it's all systems go, right? Um, the uh, But no, I mean, like, it, it, it's, there's that uh, little voiceover on the TikToks that the kids are doing these days where the guy says, oh, I, I, I didn't want to work at nine to five, so I started a business. Now I work at 24-7. Like, Fuck. Like, yeah, it's basically like can relate, you know, to, to quote the kids on the TikToks these days it's uh that that's it's a really tough one where like a lot of time you sign up to be a business owner you kind of know that you're you're at least you'll, you'll learn pretty quickly if you don't know that uh, that's not the same for you as everyone else in the world so it's uh, you kind of have to be willing to eat that to to do more than everyone else in the world which is most of our goal as business owners right i broke my own uh my own rule of uh no work on weekends this past uh weekend we were trying to get this big, this big commercial project wrapped up for uh, the GC because apparently they were having an open house that was supposed to be today and never happened. So, um, yeah, I worked Saturday and I worked Monday. Um, and to me, I mean, weekends are pretty sacred. Um, I feel like I've done my time in the first 10 years where we work seven days a week or whatever. Then we can sort of ease off the gas. I guess I was wrong <laughs> uh, this year at least. Um, thankfully my wife and my daughter are super understanding and I'm lucky that, uh, that, that they're, they're so understanding about the whole thing. Like they understand they will make it up in the winter. Um, we'll make it up on the days off and the evenings, all that stuff. Um, it's really important to have the right, uh, group of people around you that are going to understand, um, that as a business owner, it's, uh, absolutely not a nine to five yeah i would say this year it must be written all over my face mike but uh, yeah this year our, our work-life balancing has been really good for i would say probably at least three or four years now uh where we've really prioritized like not working 80 hour weeks anymore and not you know killing ourselves so bad and then this year with the build of our shop uh that's gone out the window and we've kind of just accepted that this year is going to be pretty, pretty, at least this season, this summer is going to be pretty nuts just trying to get that thing built. But what we we're, we try to do with the kids, our kids, like probably most of you guys are still pretty little, but you know, they're four, six and eight. And we, we try to just set reward goals, I guess, like when I'm not coming home till nine o'clock for five nights in a row, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I'm gone before they're up, you know, we're going to breakfast tomorrow morning. Uh, together and so we're just trying like hey we get through this this first phase like this last phase was really bad pushing to be ready for concrete the whole floor so it's like hey when we get wrapped up and the floor is poured the next available morning or day we're going to go to breakfast and as a family just kind of take it easy you know that morning and so we try to set some some 
some goal rewards, let's say, for like the sacrifice the kids make for, you know, being with grandmas and babysitters and or just me not even being here much. Uh, so we're trying to not break that balancing too bad or just show the kids like, hey, we make it through this. Like, you know, it's it's, it's kind of a, a short lived thing, I hope. And, and we'll do something cool after or whatever. So that, that's kind of the thing that's been really challenging this year. And so the, the big thing I think like Chad was saying, or maybe it was Matt, I don't remember, but if you that first three to five years, you're going to, you're going to borderline kill yourself working to get that thing off the ground. I mean, if, if you can make it that first three to five years, you stand up and if you're being diligent and, you know, trying to make sure you're actually running a business, like you'll make it and you'll be okay. But, but don't kid yourself. That, that is a, that is a tough road to hoe starting out. So hang in there. It, it, it's, it's doable. Just, just be smart about it. Hey, props to both of you guys, too, to be able to do this with kids. Like, there's not a chance I would have time to have a kid in my life right now. Kind of thing. I have time for my dog. Like, it, it's uh, so, like, to be able to pull that off takes a, a special bit of a balancing act, and it's uh, not an easy one, for sure. I agree, 100%. It takes a village, for sure. It's not a, not a one-hand thing, right? Like, my wife is incredible with our daughter and, and my in-laws and my parents, even. Like, uh, it takes a village whenever you're so busy like 100 i think even even without kids like having that supportive partner of understanding that like you're you know you're not out at the bars drinking you're working your off to a better future for both here right so it's uh, making sure that that partner understands that and uh, you know having that good supportive partner is fucking key to it as well right yeah that's a big deal i'll tell you we got we i got fortunate being in business so long and well probably like you guys too but um you know, our business was fairly well established by the time, you know, we had kids. So I really, you know, tip my hat to the, the folks that quit a full-time stable job with kids to start their dream company. Like, man, kudos to you. Like that takes some balls, man, to do that. And that is scary. I can't imagine starting a company. I can't imagine starting a new company with, with kids and a mortgage and a family. Oh my God. So that's where the guts are, man. So I got fortunate. We were established. That was a little easier. The startups, my hat's off to you guys. So if you're single with no kids, now's the time to put in the work to set that no, foundation. Better believe it. You better get on. There's no excuse. Right. Right. If you got that kind of time, there's no excuse to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Antonio from Zeppas has joined us at the end here for our final question. Antonio, we've been talking about work-life balance. Antonio, what is what have, what advice would you give somebody working out there? Dude, I'm still <laughs> I'm still at work, so if that gives you any idea about work-life balance. So, do you have any advice you'd give to somebody out there working on uh, implementing some sort of work-life balance into their business? You know, uh, family, kids, married. How do they work on work-life balance in their business? Man, it's difficult. Uh, I caught the tail end of, of you guys talking uh, before I hopped on. But, yeah, definitely a little bit different uh, when you don't have any kids and stuff like that. I've got four kids, and so it's hard, man, to turn it on and turn it off. But uh, I just got done reading this book called The One Thing, and uh, it just kind of really helps you focus on that one thing at work as well as home. I'd highly recommend it. It's it's written by the guy from Keller Williams. You got it, uh, the real estate company. But it, it basically talks about like um, the premise of the book 
it's basically like what's the one thing it, it talks in the beginning of the book about dominoes a domino can knock over one and a half times its size so in like 18 that's like the eiffel tower and like 20 or 30 it's mount everest and basically it talks about doing figuring out that one thing is for yourself and your business figuring out the one thing for your wife figuring out that one thing for your family and just chip away at it a little bit at a time and that's where the dominoes you know talks about the dominoes just doing what's one thing i need to do today to get closer and closer to my goal so um it's hard man you know with instagram and emails and everything being at our fingertips super hard to turn it off but i don't know how to do it i'm still at work it's freaking 8 30 i'll probably be here for another hour <laughs> he's honest at least yeah <laughs> so, yeah well guys uh spending the last hour with with me with our audience and and providing value uh i really do appreciate it is, but it's, it's probably we've got time for one more one more question one more, one more. We've got we've got installation questions from here on out. So it it sort of takes like a a big left turn here. Open graded stone. That's the answer. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of open graded stone questions. Uh, one quite specifically: Are we as an industry moving away from concrete sand or setting bed sand to a, an open graded quarter inch chip stone? Uh, do you guys see that? That that's a, a big question that's coming actually quite a few times. I, I think that's maybe like a weird question though, because a washed concrete sand is a permeable setting bed still. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Technical here. <laughs> well, we're getting technical. We wanted technical answers. But Mr. are we moving technical from sand <laughs> to to quarter inch chip? I guess is their most important question. I mean, I, I would say that it's a lot easier to work with quarter inch chip than it is washed concrete sand. So if you're, if you're, you know, thinking about making the switch, it's worth it just because of ease of use. But uh, they're both going to do the same thing for you. as long as you're not using that dirty old stone dust, then you're fine. Uh, small access job practices. I don't think a lot of you guys do a lot of small access jobs, but do you have any questions? Uh, Matt, I, I'm sure in Ottawa for sure. Uh, any tips on, this will be the last one, like really quick, if you have anything to add here. Small access job tips, practices, anything that you would recommend to somebody getting into a lot of tight access situations in order to uh, take more of the labor out of it and not have to do wheelbarrows or whatnot. They were kicking us like an S70. Gator base. S70? No, not an S70. Those <laughs> things tip too easy. Drive over they a two by four, you're over on your side, like Mr. Bean's car, like that three wheel rig. It's, it's so good. <laughs> The, uh, the MT100 does a much more wonderful job than the S70. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, you know, I, I think the person asking that question is aware that the, the in and outs is what kills the time on those things, sort of. So it, the answer is sort of right there is whatever you can do to minimize your in and outs, which looks like, you know, gator based. So you're excavating less, which means less soil in, less or less soil out, more material in, um, you know, with that, uh, you know, if you have that MT, then you can get, you know, it's it's not quite uh, as easy as uh, having our big S76 or T64 that we have where we can move pallets around, but you can rip a pallet in half and get that back there with that machine. Um, well, provided your access is wider than the pallet, which uh, you can run into. Um, but uh, the it, it really is just about minimizing your trips in and out. And, uh, and that, that's that's pretty much it. Any way that you can think of gator base being the best or, or any sort of, of the other synthetic bases, uh, of course. And then, yeah, um, 
that, that, that's pretty much the best thing you can do for those is really just like if your problem is too many trips well find ways to reduce them small access jobs covered right there from matt at hardscape ottawa let's go around the table thank you so much guys for your time <laughs> let our audience know where they can learn more about you what you got going on wherever you want to point them to I'm going to start from my screen top left and work my way down. Uh, Caleb, Almond Landscape, where can our audience go find you? Where do you want to send them to? Any closing comments, remarks that you want to leave them with? Hey, Mike, thanks for hosting this and putting this on all the time. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, Almond Landscape on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, you'll find us there. That's our, that's our jam. And the Kid Contractor Podcast, of course, as always. And Chad, over to you um natural design landscapes on facebook and instagram uh we're trying to get better at instagram and showing stories and all this stuff um i'm having a really hard time like i'm having a hard time making stories with the show like i'm always working i, I don't know how some of you guys do it with uh so you're so heavy on the story if i had my phone up that much i'd, I'd be going hot so but, <laughs> But we're trying. So uh, natural design landscapes on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks. Yeah, I can't do stories. I don't know how you guys do it either. On to Matt at Hardscape Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, if anyone's Instagram's lacking these days, it's probably mine. I probably post one thing once a month, maybe, and then just repost Paver King's things whenever he makes funny jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, you know, that that's still probably the best um, online uh, spot to get in touch with us is through Instagram. Check us out on our website um, and also like shoot us a message. If you ever want to come crash one of our job sites, check it out. Come say hello. So if you're ever in the region, uh, I'd love to see you stop by and see what the heck we're up to. And Antonio, join us at the end here. Antonio, where can we, our audience go find out more about Zeppas? Yeah, Instagram probably. Uh, our handle is a service for every season. So that's the best way to find us. Keep up with uh, our awesome. next project. Guys, thank you so much for your time. We'll close it there. And thank you so much for listening. If you've tuned in for this whole entire episode, go check these guys out where they sent you and go get them a follow, like, send them a message and thanking them for anything that you picked up from this episode. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Once again, thank you to our sponsors, In Light Outdoor Lighting. Go check them out on Instagram at In Light Design. That's I-N-L-I-T-E Design. Let them know that you heard about them from the How to Hardscape podcast as well as Cycle CPA. Their handle is Cycle CPA on Instagram. And once again, $200 off if you go forward with one of their packages for bookkeeping to CFO services. And we look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast. <laughs>